Welcome market participants. If it's Friday, oh wait, it's Thursday. Ever aware this is a holiday shortened week, we are bringing you three things in credit a day early. In any event, each week we bring you three things in credit markets that caught our eye and that we believe you should know about. So let's get started. This week, our three things are, one, the failure of Archegos and its ripple effects through risk markets. We'll tell you what it's worth worrying about and what is not. Two, economically, the calm before the surge is transitioning to just the surge. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be quite a ride. And three, the economic fortunes of the U.S. and Europe are diverging. Will it last? All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Archegos, the family investment vehicle run by former Tiger Cub Bill Huang, it's certainly not the first investor to face a margin call, but this one is noteworthy because it left highly sophisticated counterparties with billions of dollars in losses. The episode begs many questions, not the least of which is how large cap stocks can lose half of its value as a result of something taking place among its holders, but that's another story. Here are some things to worry about from a creditor's perspective. One, this kind of event crops up increasingly at this point of every investing cycle, where there is a flood of liquidity searching for yield. This environment is fairly unique in that you have unprecedented fiscal stimulus driving a planned economic recovery from a natural disaster when interest rates have been held aggressively down by central banks. In this environment, you get Archegos and Greensill and GameStop, opaque schemes that detach from fundamentals that become explosive through excessive leverage. There will be more. As Warren Buffett reminds us, you never know who is swimming naked until the tide goes out. Two, poor internal controls among very large financial institutions. Struggling to make acceptable returns in a zero, if not negative, rate environment, banks are more likely to accept more risk, do business with more questionable counterparties than they would be at more chastened parts of the cycle. And we always worry about span of control risk among very large, complex global financial institutions. Three, beyond the ebb and flow of market froth, there is no way to predict these events. Disclosure among the largest financial institutions has always been poor, especially with regard to market risk. These entities pay for it with equity trading multiples that lag simpler business models, and markets, regulators, and policymakers seem to accept the status quo. Four, the Fed has been willing to accept the consequences of its super-accommodative stance, which has inflated asset prices and played a hand in stretched market valuations and what feels at times like a desperate search for yield. In five, with each event, and we've had three this year, Archegos, Greensill, GameStop, you get a tightening impulse on the part of liquidity providers, banks and prime brokers, and risk-takers, investors. And that's never good for credit. But here's what you shouldn't worry about. One, the financial system is far better equipped to handle a market event like this one than it was back in 1998 when long-term capital management went bust, requiring a Fed-orchestrated bailout by creditors. At that time, stocks lost 20% in a couple of months as contagion from the Russian default spread and super highly levered investing strategies were exposed. There has been no contagion from this event. We don't expect one. 
beyond the impact to a handful of stocks. Highly levered institutional broker-dealers are a thing of the past, and that's good for financial stability. Two, impacted financial institutions can absorb these kinds of hits. Not good for their equity performance, but they are very large and very tightly regulated. The way this usually plays out is that risk management is tightened up post the event. The flip side of complexity is diversification, meaning that in cases like this, there is usually enough earnings and capital support from elsewhere in the organization that it can support all but the largest of shocks. You just have to make sure you're getting paid for that headline and at times financial risk. All right, let's move on to our second thing, the calm before the surge. Now, we can't take credit for that descriptor. We heard a strategist at J.P. Morgan Asset Management use that, and we thought it fit the times well. We've really not been in this position before. Huh, feels like we've said that a few times over and over over the past year. But we do understand the power of truly massive relief and stimulus filling the economic hole created by natural disaster. And we do understand the exuberance that comes when a clear solution, the vaccine, that can fix the natural disaster quickly. In that context, politicians are heavily incentivized to pile on support, especially if you control, in this case, the House, the Senate, and the White House, unless markets resist. Let's face it, the currency and rates markets so far have not exactly discouraged Washington from going big on the relief front. All of that stimulus, coupled with vaccine and warmer weather-fueled reopening, has set up an economic surge. Markets expect to see economic growth upwards of 7% in 2021. Uh, That's real GDP growth in the U.S., something we've seen only once in the past 50 years. The unemployment rate is forecast to plummet to the low fours by year end, as non-farm payrolls add as much as a million jobs a month. Household net worth is soaring, up 10% in 2020 alone, on surging home and stock market values, and driving consumer confidence higher all the while. Over on the commercial side of things, survey data is jumping higher, tempered only by concern over rising prices for commodities, supply chain breakdowns, and availability of appropriately skilled labor. High-class problems for sure. The consensus earnings estimate for the S&P 500 for 2021, according to Bloomberg, has jumped to $173 a share, 9% better than where it was uh, at its pandemic low. Companies issuing positive earnings guidance for Q1 is running at nearly two times the number of those taking down their estimates. So how does all this impact credit markets? Well, that's a more complicated question when you factor in investment returns, given the rise in rates. But if we focus on the credit component of that equation, we would break that down into two dimensions. One, financial conditions, and two, defaults. Financial conditions will remain highly constructive in our opinion. Funding in capital markets, both public and private, remain wide open. A function of strong demand, back to that search for yield, a favorable economic backdrop for sure, and the belief or hope that broad vaccine distribution will neutralize the effects of the pandemic. Favorable financial conditions, abundant liquidity, certainly plays into our view on defaults, which have come well off a year ago fears to a more moderate level of 4.19% for the year ended January 31st, 2022, as measured by our KBRA Altman corporate default forecasting model. We will update that forecast in mid-April, 
Watch out for that release on KBRA.com. The next period of potential stress, excluding unforeseen geopolitical events, will likely come in the back half of 2022 and 2023 when stimulus starts to wear off. Economic growth normalizes back towards 2%, and when noise around the Fed reducing its super accommodative stance grows. Until then, expect chop in markets around equity market sensitivities and uncertainty around rising rates, but favorable conditions overall for credit. All right, on to our third thing this week, the divergence between the U.S. and Europe. Needless to say, there have been many regional twists and turns throughout the pandemic period. Lately, the U.S. seems to have its act together in terms of getting vaccines into its citizens' arms, which has helped to dramatically reduce infections from its post-holiday highs while the EU has had considerable difficulty in its vaccine rollout. As of a week or so ago, 11% of Europeans have received at least one dose versus 28% in the U.S. That, coupled with the incursion of variants, has contributed to a significant spike in cases in Europe, which is running about three times that of the U.S. France has just ordered its third national lockdown, Germany is battling internally with what to do in the face of its own spike, and Italy is shut down for the Easter holiday. On Wednesday, ECB President Lagarde described the European economy as being marked by uncertainty in a tone that sounded more like March of 2020 rather than March of 2021. Now, things are clearly not that dire, but 2021 GDP forecasts for the EU have been revised down from 5.7% in September 2020, to 4.2% today, while the U.S. forecast has risen over that same period from 3.7% to 7%. We've also seen that the U.S. dollar rise over the course of March, while the euro has slid. Politically fragmented Europe, when it comes to rolling out vaccines or applying appropriately sized fiscal stimulus or monetary accommodation, is going to be at a disadvantage to the U.S., where, notwithstanding its own political infighting, can act more decisively, especially when one party controls the White House and Congress. Two points worth making. One, this is subject to change. Recall early last summer when the U.S. was going through its second wave, while Europe had significantly flattened its curve. And in case you haven't been paying attention, U.S. cases are on the upswing again. Two, Europe will eventually sort this out. There will be no shortage of vaccines, distribution bugs will be worked out, and the continent will have its own reopening. But eventually, it will be difficult to match the fiscal stimulus driving the U.S. economic recovery to China-like levels in 2021. Now, how softly the U.S. will land from its sugar high is to be determined. But for now, and likely for 2021, the U.S. has its act together. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, the failure of Archegos is a disturbing sign of the times, but it is something that has limited impact to the broader economy and credit markets. Two, the calm before the surge is transitioning to just the surge. Expect a wild ride in markets, but one that credit markets should be able to endure. And three, the economic fortunes of the U.S. and Europe are diverging. The U.S., will have a better 2021. 
As always, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the long weekend if you're lucky enough to have one. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest rating reports and research. See you next week.